0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 315 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you so much for joining me today for a story from the east of England. This week we join a couple who've been married for 45 years, with three sons, and living a seemingly happy life. As we hear so often on this podcast, the reality is often very different from the perception. That person on Facebook who appears to be living the perfect life, of course, as we know, it's often so, so different. Before we begin, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon, but especially the new members of this community. That is Margaret Ann Wallace, Jack Walker and Paul Solomons. Thank you so much for your support. This podcast is sponsored by Witchy Woo Kitchen. Instead of reaching for the gin this Christmas to deal with the relatives, why not reach for that special selenite crystal to keep the holiday running smooth? Need some diplomacy? Grab your blue tiger's eye. For that boost of energy, pop a cherry quartz in your pocket. Witchy Woo Kitchen has a crystal for every occasion, a spell for times of need and sage for everything else. Visit them on Facebook, Witchy Woo Kitchen, to discuss an alternative to losing the plot over the happy holiday season. Keep the vibes high and the mood merry by visiting Witchy Woo Kitchen, On Facebook. Okay so let's set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. Top of the UK and US music charts was Ed Sheeran with Perfect. In Australia the top album was Eminem with Revival. In the news this month US President Donald Trump officially recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital announcing plans to move the US embassy there. Former US gymnastics physician Larry Nasser was sentenced to 60 years in prison on child pornography charges. Saudi Arabia announced an end to its 35-year ban on cinemas. And this month saw the death of disgraced publicist and convicted sex offender Max Clifford at 74, and much more sadly, Keith Chegwin died at just 60. For everyone around my age who grew up in the UK, Cheggers was a great part of our childhood. Who could forget Cheggers plays pop? So did you guess the month and year? It was December 2017. Today's story comes from Stone Market, a town in Suffolk of about 20,000 residents on the busy A14 Trunk Road. Gosh, son of Alan Partridge. Between, (laughs) Between Berries and Edmonds to the west. Yeah, not the first time people have said that either and Ipswich to the south-east. In August 1871, an explosion at a local gun-cotton factory killed 28 people and left 75 injured in Stone Market and the site is now home to a large paint factory. Yeah, I can all see us making that trip to Stone Market to see the paint factory. I'm up for it. Are you? Stephen and Anne Searle married in 1972 and had three sons, Gary, Christopher and Stevie, and a number of grandchildren. When we joined the story in 2017, Stephen, his son Gary, and Gary's partner, Anastasia, all worked together in a bowling alley in nearby Ipswich. Stephen Searle, now 64, had been a UKIP member of Suffolk County Council after being elected in May 2013. In his victory speech, heard by about eight people, he said, It's superb to be fighting again for my country and my people. It was short lived as he lost his seat in May 2017 to the Conservative Council leader. He was a UKIP candidate in the 2017 general election for central Suffolk and North Ipswich, but by now UKIP support was plummeting fast. And UKIP, which had been the third largest party in the 2015 general election by number of votes, saw its share of the votes going down from 12.6% to just 1.8%, and the party lost the only seat it held. And following this trend, Stephen didn't have a great time at the election, coming fifth out of all five of the standing candidates with just 1,635 votes. Stephen Searle had certainly led a relatively interesting life. As a young man, he competed competitively in bodybuilding contests. He spent time as a Royal Marine who served with 45 Commando in Arbroath. He once said he'd been trained to kill during his time with the elite unit and there were numerous pictures of him posing with a variety of guns in his personal photo collection. Along with his wife Anne, He had run the nearby Stag Tavern Pub for a while, but as you would know if you've worked in the pub business, it's a really tough gig and it wasn't the right fit for the couple long term. By December 2017, as well as his work at the bowling alley, he ran a youth cadet group where one of the members was his grandchild, the son of Gary and Anastasia. But his marriage to 62-year-old Anne wasn't a particularly happy one. He and Anne were both relatively heavy drinkers and Stephen had enjoyed, if that's the word, probably not, he'd experienced a number of affairs. (laughs) What's the word for having an affair? He had had a number of affairs. Although Anne knew about these, she just turned a blind eye to them, as, well, as many do for all sorts of reasons. Life was comfortable, I guess, and it just seemed easier to do this. But Stephen had his eye on someone else, someone he found very attractive, and wanted to begin an affair with. But this wasn't just some random stranger who would never interfere in Anne's daily life. This was his son Gary's partner, and the mum to his one-year-old grandson, 40-year-old Anastasia. It was in March 2017, When Stephen invited Anastasia for coffee at his UKIP office in the County Building in Ipswich. During the visit, the conversation took a surprising and somewhat uncomfortable turn when he told her he'd not had sex for six years and asked if she would like to, and I quote, make him happy. He continued that he wasn't happy and he wasn't, as he so charmingly put it, getting any sex from Anne. Anastasia, who was there with Stephen's grandchild, refused and left. But Stephen continued harassing her, using bodybuilding pictures when he was a younger and more attractive man. By 2017, Stephen Searle at 64 resembled a slightly youthful and slightly slimmed down father Christmas. Anastasia showed Gary the pictures that he sent to her and he said, Don't worry, Dad's just drunk. And later, as part of Stephen's rather questionable wooing technique, he sent her a photograph of a sausage on a plate. Let's just leave that one hanging. But he must have had something about him that we're all missing, as by April, at Stephen's own home, he and Anastasia slept together for the first time in an affair that would last for three months. Anastasia later said, When he approached me, I was shocked and surprised, but at the time I was very vulnerable because my nan was really unwell in hospital. i had always been intimidated by him as he's very powerful, controlling and manipulative. I was a prat to give in, but he took advantage of my vulnerability and I felt sorry for him. Stephen gave her the nickname SBG, which was short for Steve's Beautiful Girl, and they sent each other sexually explicit pictures and texts between their physical meetings, which always revolved around sex. When talking about his wife Anne to Anastasia, he called his wife a piece of shit, something he also used to call Anastasia when her behaviour didn't please him. Anastasia pulled him up on this as it wasn't nice. But he used to say it was the drink. But he used to call me some nasty names as well. On that line, Anastasia continued that the Searle family loved their alcohol. The whole family—they drink like fish. Like I would drink water, they would drink beer. Can you imagine the reality of their affair? It must have been so awkward as Love's young dream worked together at the bowling alley with Anastasia's partner. And Stephen's son. It must have been so, so difficult for all of them. Anastasia said she knew it was wrong and she tried to end it a number of times, but whenever I tried to break it off, he said that he needed me. I felt dirty. I always had to have a shower straight after meeting him. But Anne, she was no fool. She knew that Stephen had had affairs in the past and she knew him long enough to know how his behaviour changed when he was having an affair and she recognised that behaviour changed now, although of course she could never have guessed who it was with. Anne worked at a nearby sushi producer for a job and she confided in a work colleague about her husband having yet another affair. When asked if she would leave him this time, Anne told how she wouldn't as she felt that at 62 she was too old to start again She also told how she didn't know if it was a man or a woman that he was having an affair with. This colleague was also aware that Anne suffered domestic abuse at the hands of her husband, having noticed bruising on Anne's arms. Anne freely admitted it. She said it wasn't the first time, and on this occasion she called the police, but she wasn't going to press charges against him. She said that she'd been married for so long that she really just wanted to make it work. It was June when a suspicious Anne thought she heard Stephen on the phone to a woman. When he went out, she tried to guess the code on his phone. Finally, she managed to guess the PIN. It was 4545 after he served in 45 Commando. And to her horror, she spotted the exchanges between Stephen and Anastasia. She discovered they were trying to book her hotel to meet for sex, and she confronted Stephen angrily, smashing his phone. He later described what happened next. I was a stupid old sod and made a massive mistake. I totally admitted everything. She, Anne, was extremely upset that goes about saying. Now, this account from him isn't strictly true, as he initially tried to deny the affair at all, And then he claimed it was a man, before finally admitting the affair was with their son's partner and the mum of their grandson. Anastasia confessed everything to her partner Gary, saying, I wanted him to know the truth. I wanted him to know everything. And although Gary and Anastasia decided they wanted to stay together, the affair had a devastating effect on the wider family. Gary's two brothers, Stephen Jr. and Christopher, were naturally appalled with how their dad had behaved and they completely broke off any contact with him. But Stephen Searle was brazen and despite surveying the wreckage of his broken, hurt family, he was a selfish man and he didn't want the affair of Anastasia to end. He began following her when she went to baby classes and the supermarket. Anastasia was disturbed to find out that Stephen had lusted after her for a long time before the affair, to the extent that he kept a collection of photographs of her on his computer. Anastasia said, He'd pictures of me from before I met Gary stored on his computer. He'd downloaded them from Facebook and superimposed my head onto the bodies of porn stars. I was scared of him. Me and Gary changed our numbers to stop him contacting us. But the aftermath of the affair was of course worse for Stephen's wife Anne, who was utterly devastated by what had happened. At the end of August 2017, she and Anastasia almost came to blows on the doorstep of the Searle's family home when Anastasia came to confront Anne It was reported that Anastasia told Anne that she'd not properly looked after Stephen and she laughed at Anne about her drinking. Can you imagine how distressing this must have been for Anne? It's bad enough her husband had the affair, but to then see the woman turn up on her doorstep and humiliate her, it must have been awful. And this led to many arguments between Stephen and Anne, with Anne confiding to another friend that she was feeling constantly down and unhappy and that she'd been arguing every night with her husband. Stephen had physically abused Anne before and now with the two drinking heavily most evenings in an atmosphere of significant tension, this behaviour got worse. Anne confided to one friend that her husband had threatened her saying, I will kill you, I will. Anne told her she had replied, you wouldn't do that, you are a weak man you would not be able to do that. In response, Anne had told her friend that her husband had grabbed her arms, causing bruising during a fight, and had threatened to throw her down the stairs in another bust-up. As they approached the end of 2017, the situation didn't improve. And then it was Christmas, that time when families tend to come together, but for others it can be a time when Tensions come to the surface as we spend so much time with our relatives. It was a particularly difficult time for Stephen and Anne. Anne had made an effort buying Stephen an expensive present, but she was so upset he'd put no or very, very little effort into her gift, just buying her a £14 knitted hat and scarf from Asda. Anne told a work colleague that her husband had thrown their Christmas Day dinner of roast chicken and all the trimmings in the bin before she could even cook it. She was distraught by his behaviour. Anne Searle's final Facebook message of 2017 read, Happy Christmas. I hope I will still be here in 2018. We will see. It was 10.19pm on the 30th of December when Stephen and Searle died 9.99. The call handler said, Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. I've uh, just killed my wife. You've killed your wife? Yeah. Okay. Bit different for you tonight, I expect. Happy New Year. And how have you killed her? Um, suffocation really, I guess. Bit of a bizarre situation, but you know, never mind. Okay, is it just two of you in the house? Uh, well, it's just the one of us now. Right, okay. Well, two, if you like. Okay, is there any sort of issues that the officers need to be aware of when they come into the house? Is there anything dangerous? Um, not really. I'm not violent. I'm not nothing. Stephen, can I get you to just go and answer the door? I believe we should have some officers there. Are you able to just go and speak to them? Okay, they're here now, are they? They should be there. All right, I'm on my way. Okay. I'm on my way as we speak. Oh, hello, buddies. How are you? All right? Stephen then said to the police officers, sometimes you've just had enough. I totally fucked it tonight. Everyone has their breaking point. Sorry, I've been a very naughty boy. What the fuck have I done? When paramedics arrived, Anne Searle was found unresponsive in the house and despite their very best efforts to save her, Anne was immediately pronounced dead at the scene. Anne Searle was just 62 years old when she was killed. A post-mortem carried out the following day, revealed the cause of death to be compression of the neck. A forensic pathologist later gave evidence that she would have lost consciousness after about 8-15 to seconds of pressure to her neck and died after further sustained pressure for a period of minutes. Searle told the detectives that he and his wife had gone back to normal after he promised to end the affair of his daughter-in-law. He said Christmas had actually been fine, even though there had been very little contact with any of their three sons. When asked about throwing Christmas lunch away, he claimed He'd only thrown away the chicken giblets and not the whole meal. Asked if he intended to kill his wife, he replied no. He then went on to talk about what had happened on the evening of the 30th of December. He explained that both he and his wife had been drinking heavily. They were both found to have been over two and a half times the legal drink driving limit. And Searle said he'd gone to fetch another beer when Anne suddenly stabbed the arm of a sofa in a rage. Later that evening, Searle told how he'd visited the bathroom and as he came out, Anne confronted him with a serrated steak knife and tried to stab him in the stomach. He told how they'd both fallen to the floor as he tried to disarm her. My right arm was on her neck and I was more concentrating on my left. It was very difficult to hold her down. It was one-handed, open-handed as far as I can remember. I wasn't concentrating on that part of her body, I was concentrating on the threat. Eventually she stopped struggling and I said, I'm going to have a fag and went through to the conservatory. He explained how he hadn't been badly injured in the scuffle, saying how he was left with minor prick injuries to his stomach after the knife went through three layers of his clothing and he suffered a cut to his hand from where he tried to grab the blade. Cell told how he put a bandage on his hand after realising there was quite a bit of blood, and he smoked two cigarettes. He said, I was expecting her to kick off again. When she didn't, I thought she had gone to bed and that it would be just fine in the morning. Then describing his reaction later that evening when he found her lifeless body where he'd left her earlier, he said he just sank. When he was asked if he'd not considered calling an ambulance to help Anne, he replied, No, and I don't know why. I didn't even think about calling anybody. I just sat there like a bloody idiot. He said he did later call the police. As detectives interviewed friends and family, it became increasingly clear that Anne had suffered terribly at the hands of Searle for a number of years. A former partner of one of his sons told how in the 1990s Stephen Sell got a bit angry with his wife in a pub that the couple had run and then he got out one of his guns and threatened to shoot her in front of a whole pub full of people. Just how awful must that have been for Anne in her home and her work? Others backed up the work colleague we mentioned earlier who had seen bruising on Anne's body. At his trial which took place at Ipswich Crown Court, Stephen Searle denied murdering his wife Anne. But jurors didn't believe his story of self-defence and just took three and a half hours to convict him of murdering her, probably of a chokehold he learned in his time in the military. Searle showed no reaction and stared straight ahead as the judge sentenced him to life in prison with a 14-year minimum term. The judge told him, You've deprived your children of the mother that they loved. You've deprived your grandchildren of their grandma. And you've deprived Anne of the remaining years of her life. The judge said that before he decided on his sentence, he had taken into account Searle's age and also a recent prostate cancer diagnosis, telling him, You will spend a good part of the remainder of your life and possibly all of it in prison. In a victim statement, one of Searle's sons, also called Stephen, said, Not only have I lost my mum, but because of what he's done, I've lost my dad too. Amazingly, well, to me anyway, his son Gary said after the trial that he still loves his girlfriend Anastasia and has forgiven her, but he doesn't extend this forgiveness to his dad, saying, Me and Anastasia just love each other so much that if anything, this has brought us closer together. We will be together for the rest of our lives until we are old and grey. We've all done things in our lives we're not proud of. And disowning his dad, Harry said, when I found out it was heartbreaking, I just couldn't believe the man I absolutely idolised and worshipped had done something like that to me. Most of us, rightly I think, are appalled, appalled by domestic violence. But not everyone feels this way. Following the verdict, former politician Bill Mountford told BBC Suffolk that he still considered Searle a friend, adding that these things happen. Mountford, who was leader of UKIP at Suffolk County Council when Steve was a councillor, said, I still regard Steve as fundamentally a decent man. He found himself in circumstances beyond his control. I'm not condoning it in any way. I was very, very sad to hear of Steve's conviction. I'm well aware domestic disputes can get out of hand, but I feel equally sorry for both Steve and his now deceased wife. When I heard about what happened, I was saddened to hear that, and I was equally saddened to hear of his conviction, because I feel extremely sorry for his wife and for Stephen himself, who will probably spend the rest of his life in jail. His comments were understandably criticised by Suzanne Jacob, the chief exec of the domestic abuse charity Save Lives. She said, We still live in a society in which a man can kill a woman and we offer our sympathy not to her and her family but to the man who took her life. Enough. We should all be deeply ashamed and frightened of comments like that. Comments like Bill Mountford's are incredibly harmful and sadly all too common. Far too often, we see domestic abuse portrayed as an isolated incident that got out of hand, rather than what it is. A pattern of control and abuse that sadly ends with the murder of two women a week in the UK. And I'll end this podcast really echoing what Suzanne Jacobs said then. Our thoughts go out to Anne for all that she suffered while she was alive and all the other victims of domestic abuse and to Anne's family and all the other families of those who've lost someone so special, so loved to domestic abuse. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime podcast. To discuss this episode and talk about any other aspect of UK true crime please just head to the Facebook group, that's UK True Crime. There's over 85,000 of us willing to talk UK True Crime 24-7. And to support the show, please support me at Patreon. For new subscribers in December who sign up to an annual package for as little as £18 a year, I will send you a signed copy of my book about Scottish serial killer Angus Sinclair. On top of that, there's loads of bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Just go to patreon.com slash UK Okay, so that's all for me, the UK's 37th most popular true crime podcaster for this week. So until we speak again next week, please do take it easy, <laughs> despite all the others, <laughs> despite all the others. And most of all, stay classy